0: Then, today, the book of Hebrews is written uh, specifically to show the superiority of Jesus Christ to the old sacrificial system, and uh, in verse 27 it says this, Hebrews nine twenty-seven. it is appointed once for men to die, but after this, the judgment. Is appointed once for men to die, but after this, the judgment. Let's pray. Father God, uh, thank you for a good Sunday morning. We can come aside and just worship you. On the holiday weekend, thank you for the faithfulness of your people that have come out just to worship you. Bless them because of that. Father, speak to our hearts as only you can. Let the Holy Spirit have freedom and control in our midst. Anoint our ears to hear, our minds to understand, and most importantly, our hearts to obey you this morning. Let your word go forth in power and come back with the intended purpose you sent it out for. These things I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Daniel Webster uh, said this, he said, the greatest thought that can occupy a man's mind is his accountability to God. The greatest thought that can occupy our minds is our accountability to God. Now, we don't like to think of that, but all of us one day will sit down to the banquet of consequences. And uh, our modern culture, I think the biggest fault is this. We've taken the love of God, which is great, which is supreme, but we've made God seem like some doting grandfather who overlooks our sin you see there are some things that god absolutely hates and he intends to judge them proverbs 6 16 through 19 if you take a note it says this these six things the lord hates yes seven are an abomination to him a proud look a lying tongue hands that shed innocent blood a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. Whether we want to think about it or or not, the scriptures clearly speak that there's coming a day when we stand before God in judgment. Now we need to understand that and we don't need to be fooled the thinking because all sin is not judged now that it won't be judged later. You need to understand, as I need to understand, what Peter said uh, in in his second epistle, in Peter uh, chapter second Peter chapter three verses eight and nine. He said this. He said, uh, "Well, if I get there, it'd be okay, wouldn't it?" Uh, Beginning with verse 3, it says, Knowing first that scoffers will come in the last days, sounds like our days, walking according to their own lust, saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning. For this they willfully forget. That the word of God, by the word of God, the waters were of old and the earth standing out of the water and the water by which the world then existed was judged being flooded with water. But the present heavens and earth are now preserved by the same word going to be judged in fire. And then he goes on and says these things. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some men consider slackness, but is not willing that any should perish that all should come to repentance whether we want to believe it or not there's appointed once for a man to die in other words on God's holy calendar he has circled the day that's the end of our lives he circled the day for our appointment it's the one day I know for sure that Elizabeth and I are going to be on time what was that she said (laughs) where'd that come from But we won't be late, we won't be excused, we're not going to get out of it. It's appointed once for a man to die, and then comes the judgment. So I want to do two or three things about judgment this morning. Realize, first of all, that judgment is sure for all. Judgment is sure for all. Revelation chapter 20, verses 12 and 13 says it this way, And I saw the small and the great stand before God, and the sea gave up the dead in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead in them. What is really saying here is that all the dead, there's coming a day when we all stand before God. It's unavoidable. And we need to understand that. Second Corinthians nine and Second Corinthians five, verse ten, Paul says it this way: For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. See, the judgment is sure for all. All the dead, when it says that, all the dead, it means everybody. It means you, it means me, it means the best of us and the worst of us. God has a divine calendar, and we're going to meet him there. Some will be raised to everlasting life with the Father in heaven. Some will be raised to eternal judgment in a place the Bible calls hell. And the one dividing factor in where we go is very simple. What have we done with Jesus Christ? See, the Bible is very plain when it says in John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world, say it with me, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And goes on to say that God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes is not condemned but he who believes not is condemned already because He has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's the dividing factor. And we're all going to stand before the judgment seat and then we're going to be judged. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Those that I meet and you meet that think they're pretty good Joes, that they're bound to be better than most folks, and God's just going to understand, have a rude awakening. God does not understand. He made a way to be saved. You either accept it or reject it. And it's according to that choice, you choose and I choose our eternal destiny. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2 says, Today is the day of salvation. We need to understand that. Don't put it off. There's coming a day of judgment for every single person. And we need to understand that. The second thing I wanted us to know is this. God's judgment will be fair. Everybody look up here. God's judgment will be fair. Life is not fair. Have You ever hear that? That's not fair. My mama used to say, the world's not fair. Get over it. She didn't have much sympathy with that. But you see, God's judgment will be totally fair. Do you realize God keeps the books and he doesn't fudge one bit? God keeps the books and they're totally Accurate. See, God keeps the books. He knows all that we think, all that we do. He even knows the thoughts and intents of our actions, of our hearts. Do we understand that his books are there? So what are the books that God keeps? The Bible mentions two. The first one is the Lamb's Book of Life, Jesus' Book of Life. The Book of Life. Okay, And it's, it's mentioned several times in Philippians 4, 2 and 3. Paul talks about two women who are having a little spat in the church. And he says, remind them that their names are written in the book of life. In other words, they're to get along. But then Revelation chapter 20 tells us about the book of life. Because it says in verse 11 of Revelation 20, Then I saw a great white throne. And him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things that were written in the books. The sea gave up its dead. Death and Hades gave up their dead. And they were judged, each according to his works. Death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second Death And notice, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The first book is the book of life. Your name is there because you have accepted Jesus Christ in faith and repented of your sins. If you have not done that, your name is not in God's book of life. The second book is the book of works. You see, that scripture I just read says that the book of works records what we did. It's, it's all that we did in life. Now, again, this does not determine our destiny. You understand? This, this is sort of uh, the rewards or our payment in our destiny. Our relationship with Jesus determines whether we go to heaven or hell. Let me, let me put it another way. See, our destiny is determined by what we do with Jesus. Did you hear that? Our destiny is determined by what we do with Jesus, okay? Our faith or our reward is determined by what we do for Jesus. Now we're good at Baptist and we're we're right. Works do not save us. everybody say that works do not save us. okay, let's get excited this morning. Works doesn't save us. Woo woo-hoo. woohoo, okay. A few of you are getting there okay we'll We'll get there. you see. So, when it talks about the works, what, 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 what will we take into account? I want you to know that the first thing is this. We will be judged by the law of God written in our hearts. We will be judged by the law of God written in our hearts. See, even though some may deny it, all of us have an awareness of God and what is right and what is wrong, therefore without excuse. Now, some want to deny that in our day, but the Bible says that it's very plain and it's very true. Unless a child dies before reaching the age of accountability, we have uh, God's law written in our hearts. Uh, Romans chapter 2 talks about it. If you take a note, Romans chapter 2, beginning with verse 14 says, For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things of the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness in between themselves, their thoughts accusing or else excusing them in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. See, deep down inside of every man, inside of every woman, inside of every boy, inside of every go- girl, God writes His law in their hearts. You might call it a conscience, but it's far more than that. When you read Romans chapter 1, verse 2, it says without excuse uh, whether we know it or not because the things that God made testify that there's one Creator. The things that God put forth testify that there is a God. So they are without excuse. It goes on to say that what they did, they made things and worshipped the things that were made rather than the Creator. He goes on and says, God gave them up. And then he talks about some more sins in there, and he gave them up. But you see, the first thing we're judged is that God wrote his law in our hearts. Don't listen to the liberal mumbo jumbo that that isn't so. The Bible says he did it. The second thing, we'll be judged by our knowledge. Let me explain it this way if we know to do God's will and we don't do it, we'll have a worse judgment than if we didn't know God and. Didn't know his will. You see, I know that because Jesus said in Luke twelve forty eight these words. For unto whomsoever much is given of him, much shall be required. And it says, and they will require more of him who has more. You see, here's what I want to tell you. There's great responsibility in owning a Bible. How many in here own a Bible? I'm going to let you in on a secret. Okay, My mother, her best friend in life, was named Alice. Alice used to complain to me severely. I think she did look to needle me because she knew I'd surrender to preach. Those preachers never helped me grow. I, they never fed me, they never do this. I got so sick of hearing that I said, "Alice, do you have a Bible?" Well, yes, I have a Bible. I have several Bibles. I said, "Whose responsibility do you think it is for you to grow?" Yes, your preachers will feed you, but it's your responsibility to pick up that Bible and ask why and read it. We will be judged on our knowledge. And if you own a Bible and you can read or you can buy them on audio, then we're the ones responsible. Do you understand that? Don't be like the little girl who, who took something she wasn't supposed to take. In other words, uh, what do we call that when you take something that's not yours? And she took it from school and she got in trouble and her daddy was explaining to her last night that the Bible said that's called stealing and, and God is upset with you. By then, she was just crying her eyes out and she said, but daddy, daddy, I haven't read that part yet. I want to tell you something. Doesn't matter what parts we skip, we're going to be judged on our knowledge. You better get to reading. There's a final exam coming. And these are the answers to the test. Do we understand that? The third thing, we'll be judged by our opportunities. You see, it'll be more tolerable in the judgment for people who have never had the opportunity to respond to Christ than for those who willfully reject Christ after having the opportunity. Uh, If you're wanting a scripture reference, Matthew 11, verses 21 and 22 specifically, Jesus is talking about those cities that outright rejected him And basically what he says is, he names these cities off. And he says, it would be more tolerable for Nineveh, who was destroyed, than for you. Because if the works were done in front of Nineveh, that had been done in front of you, they would have repented. He goes on and names a couple more cities. And he says, it would be more tolerable than Sodom and Gomorrah, than for you. Because if the works had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, that had been done in front of you, they would have repented. You see, some of us have lots of opportunities to do God's will to be saved do you understand that that is God's will for your life he wants you to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior why else would he take the time to send his only well-loved son to die on a cross in our place and then he wants you to serve him to have that relationship with him and see our opportunities are to respond to God, to say yes to God and when we say no there's judgment the fourth thing We'll be judged by our words. Boy, I hate that. See, by our words we'll be justified, by our words we shall be condemned. That's Matthew 12, 37. And then, in Matthew 12, 36, he says, You'll be judged for your idle words. Idle. What does idle mean? It means careless or useless. It means to harmful words, demeaning words whether they're profane or insulting or critical, those little idle words we just say things about folks or to folks. During the judgment, every one of those idle words God wrote down. Some of y'all getting scared yet? Nobody in here is a gossip, right? Those are idle words. I just tell the truth. If you're helping to spread the truth and it sort of gives you a little delight to tell on other folks, you're guilty of sin. That's gossip. See, the Apostle Paul said, speak the truth in love. Let me give you Gary Wise's translation of that. If you can't say it in love, shut your mouth. Don't come and say, but Brother Gary, it's the truth. I don't care. If you're not saying it, in love, trying to help that person or bring them back to Christ, you be quiet. I don't need to hear that garbage. Don't poison my heart and my mind. And Facebook. Yes. Biggest gossip thing we have now is Facebook and Twitter and all these other things. And yes, I do get on those occasionally. I get off very quickly when I see some of the things y'all post. They'll block me now. The fifth thing, we'll be judged as we have judged others. <laughs> Matthew 7, 1 and 2 says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you used, it will be measured back to you. Things we judge others for going to come right back on us. Young adults, don't ever say, my kids will never, because your kids will. <laughs> Middle adults, don't say, well, I'll never act like that when I'm a senior adult, because you will. Do not need to keep on? The same measure we measure it out will be measured back to us. The final thing, we will be judged By acts of kindness and generosity. Matthew 25 says, Even a cup of cold water will have our reward when it's given in the name of Jesus. See, we're always looking for these great, mighty things to do, and God just wants us to be loving and generous to each other and other people, and He marks that down. Those are good works. Those are good things. And He doesn't miss not one of them. For some of you who labor, behind the scenes, in God's kingdom and in God's church, and you think nobody knows, don't you worry about it. God knows. Don't you worry about it. Your good works are written down. And not only that, Jesus said that when we do good works before men, they'll see our Heavenly Father and give Him glory. That's why we do it, right? Amen. Amen. So our works, although they don't save us, they count for God. They count. He writes them down. And there's coming a day when when we stand before God and the judgment is sure that it's going to be fair. It's going to be fair. It's not like this world where things aren't fair. God's going to right all the wrongs. You see. Don't be like that uh, farmer that I knew when we were farming. He he laughed. You know we were Christians. Said said, y'all just lazy said i work every sunday what do you think about that preacher boy i work every sunday i harvest every sunday i plant every sunday and i have the best crops in the county i didn't know what to tell him but my pastor knew what to tell him don't worry and he called him by name said god doesn't pay in october not at harvest he says you're reaping a harvest and you'll stand before god and there it So is don't worry If you're not thinking you're getting paid or treated right right now, God will correct the situation. God knows it. God wrote it down. Hallelujah. God writes it down. The final thing our judgment day will be final. This should be a sobering fact. Our judgment day will be final. We can't put it off. As I said, you won't be late. As I said, uh, You realize there aren't any do-overs. In golf, we call them mulligans. There's no mulligans. Boy, I'd be in trouble without mulligans. No reincarnation. This is it. It is appointed once for men to die. Other than a few examples in the Bible, that was it. But see, they weren't really resurrected. They were resuscitated because they died again physically. Only Jesus was resurrected. He never died again physically. One day. What then? One day. What then? You see, Revelation twenty fourteen said, Those whose names were not written in the Lamb's book of life were thrown and cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. Don't you know it's not annihilation? You know, we have some folks that believe that when you die and you're not of theirs, that you're just annihilated. You cease to be. That's not what the Bible says. You see, the Bible is very specific in Matthew chapter 9, again, if you're taking notes. In verse 43, he said this. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Now, did Jesus want you to really cut your hand off? That's a hyperbole, but he said this. Here's how serious it is. It is better for you to enter into life maimed than having two hands and go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter the life flame rather than having two feet and be cast into hell where the fire there shall never be quenched, where their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. And he repeats that again and again in that chapter. He wants us to know, before that day, we have to be ready before that day we better have made preparation another pastor anonymously wrote this little ditty it's where I came up with the sermon title what then when the death angel knocks at the door and the great judgment day has come what then what then when the choir has sung its last anthem what then and the preacher has prayed his last prayer what then And the people have heard the last sermon, what then? And the sound has died out in the air, and the pews are empty of all men, What what then, what then? And each one of us stands facing his record. The great book is opened. What then? What then? I'm asking you, what then? Are you ready? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What then? See, Jesus said in Revelation 13, 4, Blessed are the dead who die from now unto the Lord, for their works shall follow them, and they shall have rest from their labors. Two ways to be ready for that judgment day. The first one, the most important one, is this. Have you accepted Jesus Christ publicly as your personal Lord and Savior? Because Jesus said if you denied Him before men, He would deny you before the Father and the holy angels. So have we accepted him publicly before men as our Lord and Savior? Have we repented of our sins, placed our faith in him, and said, I believe in you and I trust your work to save me from my sins, Father Jesus? The second way is this. Are you living for him? It's not just enough to get fire insurance. Are you living for him? Does your life show that you know Jesus, you belong to him? Okay, it'll show up in all kinds of things that you do and that you don't do. And it's not the works that save you, but they are evidence that you belong to him and you're ready for that great day. What then? When the books are open and your life is laid there, what then? Some of you need to come and accept Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning. Some need to come in rededication and repentance and live for him need to join this church and put your life and work here to live out your life as He intends you to live, serving Him in a local baptized body of believers. Others just have other things they need to surrender to Him that are keeping you from being all that Christ wants you to be. Maybe there's some animosity. Maybe there is some hard feelings that you need to lay down at the altar and get rid of because there's coming a day when the what then will be there. Father God, Let us do your will. Let us obey you.